Welcome to the House of Strauss. Yeah, go for it. Stars hang with stars, winners hang with winners. Welcome to House of Strauss, ladies and gentlemen. So happy to have Rob Mahoney of The Ringer on the podcast. I should say beforehand, if my voice sounds a little off, I am indeed under the weather. It is also my excuse for why the narrated articles have not been forthcoming. Eventually, they will be. And with that excuse making, thrown out of the way, housekeeping, as they say on podcasts. Mm. Rob, how you doing, man? It's nice to have you here. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. I am above the weather. I'm doing all right. I'm hanging ah, in. You're, you're always above the weather. You've got a little bit of uh, of Kenny Cosgrove in you, where the other people <laughs> in the office go. That guy's just, he's just got something. He doesn't seem fundamentally neurotic. He seems happier. He seems like he has it together. Um, it's just, you know, I, I would expect nothing less, Rob. I appreciate that. I mean, it's look, that is the fundamental deception of life is making people think you're not neurotic. But, you know, we'll leave that. We'll, well leave that for later in the pod, maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. I don't I don't know if we should get into the past immediately. I definitely want to go down blog memory lane to a certain extent. But I just want to I want to start things out just by saying I think you're killing it, man. I, I am so happy to see it. And it's weird. Thank you. To say, uh, I feel proud of you, Rob, because I have no hand in any of the success, but it's been delightful to see you on the, the larger platform that is the Bill Simmons podcast, and you're excellent on it. You've got this great balance of highly informed and also opinionated without being a dick i mean you've got some <laughs> you, you've got some real opinions you don't you don't really do the podcasting crutch that we so often hear and i'm sure i do it i'm not this isn't a shot at anybody but it, it will be interesting to see is a phrase you hear a lot on podcasts and in the case of you i, I just often hear opinions as opposed to it will be interesting to see I appreciate it. I mean, look, it'll be interesting to see what we get into on this podcast and if I <laughs> yes. start hedging my bets at some point. But basketball <laughs> stuff is pretty easy to do with that, right? Like, yes, we're going to couch the regression of the three-point shooting and this hot team and that struggling player. But at the end of the day, we have pretty firm takes on it. It's like, do we think Shea Gilgis Alexander is good or not? Mm. Uh, do you think he's performing up to a certain level or not? So I don't think there's a lot of need to hide behind that stuff as far as not being a dick. I, you know, I guess we the best we can do is try, but we, we all have, well, we all have firmly held opinions on these things, I think. Oh, well, I'm not sure if we do, but I think yours are born out of study. And I think it does come naturally if you do the work and the opinions usually flow forth. Um, but not everybody has that skill. That's something I've I've talked about with Spike Eskin because he's a, a, a big shot over there in New York radio, in addition to doing the rights of Ricky Sanchez sure. podcast. And it's, um, I remember he was telling me that once at the radio station, they had a sign that said, uh, have a take. Not everybody can summon a take. Not everybody uh, understands that having the opinion, not necessarily a contrived opinion, you don't want to force it, but having the opinion is something that really matters in this business. Well, I feel like a lot of the success of that formula of the have an opinion formula is structural, right? It's like, who are you paired mm. with that you're bouncing your opinions off of? Like, you know, I podcast with a frequent guest of yours, Big Waz, every week. 
Waz and I are naturally just like at different basketball places on a lot of issues. And so it's easy to have a take when he has a a counter take locked and loaded, ready to go on a lot of things. And there are times where we'll overlap, but I'm guessing that uh, in Spike's case, you know, Spike, one of the premier takesmen of our of mm-hmm. our NBA time really really spectacular yes. honestly podcaster and, and radio personality I don't think he needs that reminder as much as some no. people do no he's he's a nice guy with what they say in the psychometric is it psychometric whatever it is when they they try to profile people psychologically a high disagreeability a, a tolerance <laughs> for being disagreeable uh which I think helps him as a takesman and Waz is also just a delight to podcast with he's just got whatever whatever that thing is it's it's going to be an easy you're not going to lack you're not going to lack for topics you're not going to lack for an ability to bounce ideas off somebody um and it just it just works but in your case rob i'm curious let's go back in time okay how did you come to this because I think again, I think we're at the, the we're at the apotheosis of Mahoney right now. I feel as though you are <laughs> coming out of your shell. You're becoming a big name. You're becoming a brand. Are you okay with being a brand, Rob? This Are you okay with being a hashtag? This is a ridiculous statement. A ridiculous line of questioning. Uh, I am not a brand, but to your point, it's nice to be a person who's not a brand and go on a big mm. brand podcast, a big brand ah. show. It does expose you to certain like audience elements you may not be used to, like my. Usually I am speaking to someone who's like an above average level NBA literacy fan just by the nature of the show that we host. But then going on Bill's pod, going on this pod where I know like some of your listeners and audience aren't really NBA inclined yeah. or even sports inclined. So, yeah, we'll we'll see it. We'll see if uh, what I have to say resonates with them at all or if my our little story resonates with them at all. I like that you know that because I always think of them as the 10%. I think on any podcast (laughs) I do um, on House of Strauss, there are 10% of people who are not sports inclined Mm. but are just, okay, let's see. Let's check in on this world. Let's pop in, observe, almost like a voyeur. You're the voyeuristic set of my audience right now if you're listening, seeing what we're all talking about in this strange world of NBA media, such as it is, such as it is a business. Um, But... I'm wondering, Rob, because just one day I was aware of you. I don't know how I came to become aware of you, but just one yeah. day I was aware of you. How did you, how did this become your life? <laughs> just answer me that. It's a great question. Uh, I think fundamentally this became my life because I was lucky enough to be in college when you could blog online and when that was a yeah. thing that existed. And that gave me enough of a runway to just like hang around for long enough. And honestly, I don't know if you feel this way, but I certainly felt this way going to summer league this year, going to some like NBA media wide events this year where I look around and it's not even necessarily that the people in NBA media now are, are younger or like has refreshed, but just like all the people that were of our cohort are gone are. Yeah. They're working in completely different industries. Maybe they're working for NBA teams now. Maybe people like yourself have kind of like become NBA adjacent in some capacities. Like you cover NBA stuff, but it's not your world anymore. Uh, It's a different time. And so I do feel like a bit of a frozen caveman at some points. But we're, we're hanging around the NBA internet as long as it'll have us, I think. Yeah, I had that same feeling. And I don't know how much of it is self indulgent, in particular to our industry versus this is just what happens in life. And this is what, what you experience, especially in an entertainment based industry, but maybe overall you experienced it at summer league. I felt it going to Sloan recently where I just looked around 
and I barely recognized anybody. I, I, I saw Howard Beck there. I saw your own Weitzman. But apart from that, I, I didn't recognize people the way when I was younger there. And it was also just a different feeling of being younger and trying to make it and trying to network. And now it, it was more of a sense of being disoriented, but not even necessarily having an agenda and not trying to climb up in any particular direction. Um, and it hits you. It's very, it, it's funny. I was listening to you talk about, uh, Fleischman is in trouble mm. and how, the Jesse Eisenberg of uh, it was the kid of a divorced dad um, in Squid and the Whale. Yeah. I, I've actually never seen that movie, but this is just your your description. Um, and now he is the divorced dad and it's a different guy and it seems to happen suddenly. Do you feel that way right now? Or it's, oh, wow, like I'm I'm the grown up. I'm, I'm the adult. A hundred percent. And so, you know, some of it, as you're saying, does kind of happen gradually and you don't even notice it. And then all of a sudden you're just there. And like all the people who we blogged with are, you know, coming and going in and out of the industry, not doing this stuff anymore. You're looking around and I don't, I don't know. It's just everyone's media experiences are so fundamentally different now. It's so YouTube oriented, rightly so. Like there's a lot yeah. of money there for people and creators on that platform. It's obviously so social media forward and social media centric. It's just a fundamentally different experience. And I, I do feel out of touch sometimes. I do feel disconnected from some of those things. You kind of scrap and claw to keep some kind of yeah. tether just to understand how the world works. But you have to feel old at a certain point. It, it comes for all of us. Yeah, it, it does. And it happens little by little and then all at once. But the experience is almost confounded by our industry almost disintegrating in certain respects. So it's yeah. difficult to it's difficult to disaggregate what's industry dissolution versus what's just the natural aging process when it comes to feeling atomized. Um, and that's something that I'm, I'm always uncertain of when I look back on it. But I think you have a particular journey because, and, and don't be humble about it. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Don't be humble about it. But when okay. you came on the, when you came on the scene, you were known as the prodigy, as the young guy who was a really good writer and was going to, he was going to do things in NBA media. And I'm wondering, were you aware of that early on? And what was that like? It certainly didn't feel that way. And it, I think it didn't mm. feel that way because even then, there just weren't that many full-time jobs covering the NBA if you weren't covering a specific team. And that was never yeah. really something I was interested in. You feel a certain level of audience. You feel a certain level of attention from editors when you work here or there who are like, Clearly, they are invested in you on some level. You feel that. But mm. I certainly didn't feel like I was necessarily going anywhere. Uh, it, and that that's where like the runway thing I was talking about really comes into play. A lot of that stuff, at least at the time that we were coming up, was how long can you afford to do this? How long can you afford to do this after your day job mm. or instead of a day job? How long can you play out that string as much as anything? So I felt like I was doing some decent work, but there were lots of people doing decent work and those a lot of those people don't do this anymore. Yeah, I I don't know if you read my thing on this from from a week ago or or whatnot, but I'm just getting hit with all the nostalgia all at once and I'm starting to really fixate on that question of who is still here? Why are they still here? Yeah. Why did the people who go away? Why did they go away? Um why am I still here? Those questions for whatever reason are really top of mind right now and I'm I'm glad that you're still here. And I think in a way, 
uh, it, it's almost promise fulfilled that you started off with a lot of promise and you've realized it because it, it, like you were saying, it, it didn't always happen for people and the fail rate. Um, now I know the fail rate is what it is. I didn't know that when I was younger, when we were going to Vegas, when, you know, there, there are these industry sort of meetup events mm-hmm. that happen. You know, we hung out, I think, a bit at South by Southwest back in the day. But yeah. Summer League is the main thing. And I didn't I didn't know looking at looking around a room, you know, maybe being at Caesars Palace buffet or whatever at something. I, I didn't know that most of those people would just go on to other lives. Yeah. Or, or they would eventually... You know, like they go into other lives, they may hang on for a little while, you know, string together freelance bits and pieces as best they can, but it's, it's brutal and it's uncompromising and like the attrition and the churn of, as you're saying, not just kind of getting older and aging into a different part of your life where maybe you need something as radical as like health insurance and you can't afford to just Mm. be like stringing together a blogger salary forever. Uh, But then the industry changes that you're talking about, you know, it's, it's, 